nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you are in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I just want to shout out to our one of our sponsors, Kim Evans Institute for Integrative Medicine in Louisville, Kentucky, where they make you an active partner in your care and healing your mind, body, spirit, and soul. Kim has a new book out called Transforming Healthcare, Healing You, Me, and Our Broken Disease Care System. For information, please contact her at www.integrativemedicine4u.com. Integrative is spelled out, integrative medicine, and the four is a number four, and you is just the you. Um, so, uh, also, if you go onto my website or onto the host site here at Voice America, there is a discount for buying that book. I think it's 20%. So, just go through the her banner and uh, you'll be able to get that discount. So, our title today is Cortex Method Stress Management, Helping Nurses Stay in the Fight. Um, 2020 healthcare has had a lot of healthcare secrets exposed. One thing we have learned is that there are organizations doing an incredibly good job supporting nurses, staving off layoffs, finding PPE for their staffs, providing administrative leadership on the floors, and fighting off obstacles for healthcare providers to simply do their work, which is a Herculean effort in itself now during COVID. The bad news is that there's not enough organizations that have been on that list. And um, the opposite uh, list of organizations have been everywhere from inept to downright abusive. But what we want to do is, uh, and especially today, we want to help organizations to know how they can provide um, better and more respectful services to their nurses, to all of their health care that are on the front lines uh, supporting their COVID patients and all patients. So um, I am kind of looking, I'm sort of a visual person, so I'm thinking of it that in, in 2021, there's a hot wind blowing in healthcare and it's coming from a mass exhalation of nurses who are saying that they want to take care, take control of what they can control. And that is basically themselves and their own minds and how those minds are working, what they're telling them. So um, that's what we want to work at is, is really helping people to understand and know what can you do for yourself. And then as you get yourself into a, a place of uh, more foundation and more solid uh, emotional and, and uh, physical sense, that we can then move forward and be able to be innovative, um, have dynamic uh, interactions that with our organizations to try and help uh, deliver health care in a healthier way. So uh, one of those uh, dynamic nurses who is on this journey uh, is with us today, and that is my guest, Melissa Cortez. She is a BSN, an ICU COVID nurse, and she's been traveling around the country through this last year. And she is also uh, newly a founder of CortexEnergySystems.org. So welcome, Melissa, 
And can you share a quick summary? Thank you so much, Leanne. You're so welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Can you share a quick summary of what brought you to nursing and how did you come to find this app for Cortex Energy Systems? Sure. So unlike most nurses, I never wanted to be a nurse. Um, I know a lot of stories of these nurses. They're like, I, I, my mother was a nurse. I've, I watched nurse. I never even really went to the hospital as a child, but uh-huh. um, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And when I presented my parents with that option, they were, you know, luckily they were going to help me with school. My dad took Forbes magazine and said, these are the top 10 upcoming careers and you can pick one of those because I'm not paying for you to be a dolphin trainer. So that's how I ended up being a nurse, and I love it. It was definitely what I was supposed to do. Um, So I started out um, back then. It doesn't even sound like that long ago, but in nursing now, because of the turnover rates, I'm an an, an elder. But um, 10 years ago, you know, you couldn't start off in the ICU, which is where I wanted to go. So I started off on an intermediate floor. I did cardiac, and then... I've done everything throughout my career. I've managed a little bit, been a DON at assisted living facilities. I've worked hospice, home health, anything that I could get myself into. And, you know, it drove everybody around me nuts. You know, why can't you just stay in one place? And then I realized that it was because I needed to know what nursing really was so that when this opportunity came Mm -hmm. for me to start, you know, Cortex, um, it was because I could understand all those types of nursing. And, you know, I started out as a CNA in school and and ended up working in an ICU where I started as a CNA. So it was really, um, it's been a really great journey and it's allowed me to really fall in love with the profession. And that's kind of what is breaking my heart about what's happening. You know, I, I look around now as I'm in these different ICUs across the country and it's unrecognizable. The, the career that I started with. So a lot of people make the decision to go on and advance their education and leave the bedside behind. And I had thought about doing that. And then I realized that I wasn't a yes person and I wasn't going to be able to work for an organization and say yes to the things that needed to, to be said yes to advance. So I decided that I was going to start my own thing and come back and really help those nurses that need it the most at the bedside. So that's kind of where Cortex was was founded. Our last name is Cortez, um, but we are from Texas, so there's a lot of different implications to that meaning, but the cerebral cortex is the largest site of neuronal integration in the brain. Um, And that's kind of where our method, the Cortex method for stress management comes from. It is based in neuroscience. Um, we wanted to figure out a way that we could teach nurses that they have the choice to respond to the stuff that's happening around them. We can't change large systemic issues in healthcare right away, and we need an immediate solution because nurses mm-hmm. are not only leaving the bedside in alarming rates, which we can talk about, but mm-hmm. they are also losing their lives. You know, they're taking yeah. their own lives with the stress that they're facing. So. Our campaign is all about how to save a nurse. Um, so save a nurse at the bedside, but also save their life. So Cortex Energy Systems is not just a, an online course or an in-person course that we deliver, but it's also a community that we've created, this network um, of people that really want to help and didn't know how. You know, they watch the stuff on the news and the commercials and they see all these hero signs and they say, I have a business that I can help, whether that's 
yoga mm-hmm. or fitness, nutrition, energy therapy, um, mental health and wellness practices. Um, we connect those to the nurses that need it the most. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the second pillar of our company is really creating that community where nurses can come together and talk to one another and create real change. And the hope is that, you know, as this gets bigger and as we gain momentum, we want to be an organization that creates true and lasting change in the profession. You know, you've got organizations existing now that are doing their best. They're publishing articles. They're making the issues known, but they're not really doing anything. Um, And I saw that anything that's 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 coming down and affecting the nurse at the bedside so there's a lot of ideas out there and studies and different things like that but as far as changing at the bedside what people are dealing with right now it's not there so that's what you're you're trying to hit you've been at the bedside for a year realizing what COVID is like and now you're really trying to reach out a hand to those people that are still there right exactly exactly yeah so how did you find mindfulness and in how say a little bit more about it? I think a lot of people when they hear yeah. things like that, they just say, Oh, that is so foo foo and you know, what's that gonna mm-hmm. do when I'm under and such incredible those, stress? I was Go one ahead. of those people. I was like, Ugh, meditation. But <laughs> what happened was I went to uh the northeast in March, um, and was right there with the the front lines of the pandemic as it hit. Um, And I have three little children at home. I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old. And I made the decision to leave them. And, you know, my husband's active duty, and it was so empowering. He looked at me and he said, okay, I know you have to go. I was up late at night watching the footage on TV, Mm -hmm. and I said, I I have to go. And he understood, Mm -hmm. and it was really a neat opportunity because most military couples don't get that chance. And so I got there. It was amazing. Um, The teamwork, the things that I saw, but... Where I was used mindfulness as part of their way that they help the nurses deal with the stress. And I said, this is kind of cool. And then I started kind of looking into it. I went to Sedona afterward to quarantine. Where could I go out in the middle of nowhere where I wouldn't get Mm -hmm. anybody else sick? So in case I was positive, which I wasn't. But um, And I learned all about meditation and the stuff that we call in our company the woo-woo. You know, the stuff that seems out there. And then I said... I wonder if there's a way that I can integrate this at the bedside. So on my next assignment, I took it. Hey, and hang I on, Melissa, before you, started- before you move on to the third one, I want you to go back to <clears throat> the organization that was using it. So did they just start using mindfulness when COVID hit or were they already using that no. previously? The way I saw it used was during rounds, um, an intensivist uh, stopped everybody. And it was just individuals themselves that did it, I think, that were just more progressive. Um, and, you know, there's certain areas of the Northeast where they are very, you know, uh, progressive. I've worked at Hopkins. I've worked at, you know, MassGen, places like that, where the research is showing that mindfulness has a place in healthcare. So those doctors are taking an opportunity to use it. And he would just say, okay, everyone take a deep breath together. And we did. And there's something so healing about the collective pause, a pause. And it's a reset. It's a let's be here together and present in this moment and not think about anything else. And when you're in a whirlwind of an ICU, that's why when people tell me, oh, mindfulness isn't possible, you can't just stop. I'm not going to tell my nurses to stop. I'm like, you're not telling them to stop. You're telling them to pause. 
for just mm-hmm. enough to where they can, you know, regulate their heart rate and their breathing to de- literally stop the stress response in the body. And right. there is an opportunity because I did it in a pandemic. Right. That's the, that's the most done. important thing is that I think people get it, you know, as I'm, you know, just feeling stress rising on a normal everyday kind of day. Sure, I can stop, I can, you know, take a deep breath, I can, you know, calm myself down. And yeah, that helps. But when you're in this life and death, there's there's codes going off every five minutes. Everybody is in a panic, we, you know, especially when you started uh, working with it, um, we didn't know what we were dealing with. So, you know, it's, no. I'm telling you, but I'm, I'm telling the world, why don't you say what that was like to have these patients so deathly ill and not know what so to do for them? It was, yeah, I remember one day, you know, policies were changing every four hours, and I was so fortunate to be in an organization that is one of the best in the world during it. But, you know, you have these outlying hospitals and I can't imagine, well, I can because I was in them, but, you know, you have policies changing every four hours. One minute the CDC is saying that you can wear cloth masks in these rooms with intubated Mm -hmm. patients. So we were expected to do that. And we were Mm -hmm. told that some nurses were even getting fired for wearing N95. Mm -hmm. Not where I was Mm -hmm. at, but I've heard stories. And it's like they could get them from the private sector or maybe someone else. Like my my sister-in-law, who's also a co-founder of this company, she's a dentist. And she was sending me PPE because I couldn't get it Mm -hmm. from the organizations where I was working. So, you know, it was horrible. It was the way that the system that supposedly supported us crumbled. And there was Mm -hmm. no one. You know, where was Jayco during this? Where were they saying that that was not appropriate? You know, where was the CDC supporting nurses? Then you have a government that doesn't support us. You know, so it was just that on top of the trauma of losing patient after patient after patient. Mm -hmm. I decannulated like maybe four patients in one shift from ECMO. I mean, they're going to die. You know it. And then all of our patient population was Hispanic and Spanish speaking. And I was one of the few nurses. So at this time, I was picking the opportunity Mm -hmm. whether I go in and translate and tell this person that they're going to be intubated, we're here with them and what's going on, or do I choose my children and hope I don't get sick and stay Mm -hmm. outside the room? And there was this moral obligation of whether I walk in the room again and again and again and expose myself Mm -hmm. again, but just to bring this patient comfort. And of course, you know, as nurses, we choose to. And where we were, you know, there was no running in the room without PPE. It was like... Do not, there's no emergency in a pandemic. They're, they're coding. Yes, they're coding. But it was this time of standing outside the door and watching. And you're watching the monitors change. You're watching your drips. And you're just like, okay, it's coming. So that was one of the opportunities on my second assignment. I was like, okay, this moment I'm standing here and I'm like, my heart rate's going up. Their heart rate's going up. Like, what, where is my mind? Mm-hmm. Am I panicking about the future or am I thinking about the past where I didn't do this or maybe I forgot to do this or, you, mm-hmm. you know, did I, did I leave something out? What yep, if so I beating yourself up, second, which is not helpful. Yeah. Um, talk about what if that. I could just that, for a second. Talk about that adrenaline. Um, uh, when, when that adrenaline hips, why is that not a good thing? You, you, you know, we talk about fight or flight. So, it's supposed to help you have the energy exactly. in your muscles and, but, but talk right. about so why that's not that, a good thing. Yeah, in the neuroscience that we researched, so I'm not a neuro nurse, I'll preface that, but I went back through all of it and redid, and, and I wanted to make it tangible for my nurses and the people that were going to, you know, use this method to understand what was happening. So in the neuroscience, we know that 
the stress response starts. And as it gets activated and the adrenal glands keep excreting things like cortisol and you have that increase in hormone production, if it doesn't stop, it continues and causes a threshold that you reach. And you stay at a state of stress for like 12 hours straight, right, when you're on your shift. And that adrenaline keeps going and going and going, and it causes things like, you know, decrease in bone density. It causes you to hold on to fat. It causes um, cells to abnormally proliferate, you know, so cause cancer. So all these things, the research is showing us that that happens. And if we can stop the stress response, then -hmm. we stop the cortisol production. And mm-hmm. that is what we teach, is to recognize the stress. First of all, I didn't even realize that I was stress, stressed out. Like, what are my <laughs> triggers? And then as I started to realize it and become more mindful and aware, I was like, okay, I'm really stressed right now. I need to do something. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we teach is box breathing, or we have different breathwork techniques. We like to call the stabilizer, which is an equal out to equal in. And when you do that, you're actually changing, it's called resonance frequency breathing, and it's something that athletes use and Marines use when they're in a very stressful situation to enter the flow state. Mm -hmm. And when we can do that, like say I'm watching my patient code, right? And they're defatting and they're, and I'm waiting for respiratory and wait for everybody to get their PPE on. If I can stand there and practice my resonance frequency breathing, that box Mm -hmm. breathing and get my heart rate to match my respirations and get my stress response down. When I go in that room, I have, a better ability to recall information. I'm calm so that new resident will be calm. I'm calm so the patient is calm. And you can really, and it's not a fake calm. A lot of us are very mm-hmm. good at fronting that we're all right. <laughs> Inside, we're like shaking, like a leaf. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you describe what that box being, breathing looks like and sounds like? So it's basically an equal out exhale to equal inhalation. So usually people um, are between five and a half to six seconds um, to use heart rate variability. And there's apps and stuff available um, for you to do that. We talk about all that in the course, but in a short synopsis, you want to make the equal pressure of the inhale equal the pressure of the exhale, the force. So you try and make them equal, not only in time, but also in force. And that's a really good thing to practice in the morning when you wake up. So we have some guided meditations that are perfect for when you first get up in the morning. Guided meditations for me when you're walking into work, where we help you practice this breathing so that when you're stressed and you initiate mm-hmm. this type of breathing, it works faster and it becomes mm-hmm. a response. So I say I, when your patient's heart rate is elevating, yeah. yep, when your patient's heart rate is elevating, your patient's your heart rate's elevating, so where's your mind? Let's pull it all together, and we talk about things that are triggers for us, heart rate, things that we're watching, and what about ourselves? And that's where it comes down to the fact of if you don't take care of yourself, you are no good to your patient or your family. And that's something that we're not taught in nursing. We're taught to give, 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 and they expect us at these organizations to keep giving. Like you said, you know, if somebody else needs to do it and they can't get the staff to do it, the nurse will do it and they always find a way. Mm -hmm. But at what expense are you burning out your nurses? If we look at rates of burnout and these are pre-COVID rates, okay? So we haven't even gotten the latest data really from COVID, which is going to be obviously extremely more exuberant. But basically we talk about right now turnover and 
in hospitals is about an average of 15.9% or 16%. Um, and if you talk about CNAs, which is a whole demographic that, you know, we at Cortex really want to support, they're about 26.5% turnover. Wow. Um, and it costs a hospital um, anywhere from fifty to 100000 sometimes in places like California, more than that for the cost of losing one nurse. So you're thinking maybe a greater than $6.1 million per year. So when nurses are like, well, they don't care about me, I'm invaluable, you are valuable. Your value, you actually have a price tag, and this is your price tag. And mm-hmm. I think that people in the C-suite are aware of it, but they're not sure how to bridge the right. gap. Like, what can we do? You know, we still have a bottom line to meet. You know, we still have... Mm-hmm things that we need to pay for. And especially now in COVID, you think about how many people that have been affected in the demographics that we look at, you know, low income, Hispanic or African American people, they don't have insurance lots of times. So who's Mm -hmm. covering the cost of all of this? Mm -hmm. And then now you have nurses leaving. So what's the solution? And the solution is, is systemic, large systemic issue resolution. But how do we do that on the short term? And in the short term, it's teaching your nurses how to right. deal with whatever stress that comes at them. The thing that I can't understand, um, you know, if you think about an organization, and a lot of these um, healthcare organizations have been kind of taken over by corporate uh, entities and corporate mindsets, so a business model. And it's almost like, you know, if you had a company that was making widgets, those widgets are your product. If those widgets are not good, if they're breaking, if they're not, um, you know, sustaining whatever it was that they were supposed to be doing, um, people are not going to keep buying them. And in a healthcare system, the nurses are your product. That's what you're selling. And that is what, when patients come in, if they're satisfied with the care that they're getting, they feel like this person cares about them as, you know, as much as they can uh, meeting their needs, they're going to go home and they're going to tell, you know, 10, 20 people what an incredible place that was and how much, you know, how happy I was to be there. But if the nurses are so exhausted, they're, they're not only not able to give the care they gave before and wanted to give, but they they draw back so they don't want to invest themselves in these patients because they're seeing them die one after the other and it's just you know any human being that's seeing some terrible tragedy happening over and over again your instinct is to draw in or run away and and i don't understand why they can't understand that that's you know if if your nurses are happy everything else works because there's always going to be a new nurse graduating nursing school that they can employ, right? But here's the issue. 38,000 students failed the NCLEX this uh, semester. Really? So we've got an, we got an issue there. So hospital systems aren't really prepared for the issue that that's going to cause because they're coming into a pandemic and the experienced nurses are leaving. So even if you have a nurse that has a year of experience, they're now expected to run charge and precept and train a new nurse. So, and that's with a hospital system that probably is missing 10% of their nurses. So they need a need to fill 10%. So if that's your family member, this is why the public should really care about what's going on more than just the hero signs and the scars on our faces and, you know, the billboards. Because what if your family member's that one out of 10 that doesn't have a nurse? Mm -hmm. And then your nurse has been a nurse for less than a year. 
Would you, I mean, would you let someone cut your hair that has less than a year of experience, <laughs> let alone someone that's going to ex- be expected to save your yeah. life? Yeah. And especially, so again, kind of you know, like, the, the the nursing profession is not just uh, moving bedpans around. You know, if, if that was ever the thing that we were just doing, you know, we're dealing with, with very high-tech um, electronics where, uh, uh, you know, knowing all of the different data that goes on, how a body functions, you know, so that we're actually making nursing diagnoses that are different right. than what the and doctor the, diagnoses. And the doctors have maybe 100, 200, who knows how many patients they have. So your nurse, your nurse is the one that's dictating your care a lot of the times. I mean, the doctor, mm-hmm. yes, oversees it, but a lot of times it's the nurse that says, hey, we should do this, we should do this especially in intensive care, ER, or intermediate mm-hmm. care units, because they are the ones that are at the bedside, and they're integral in rounds. Now, I can mm-hmm. tell you I've been in an ICU that's a 30-bed ICU where every nurse had three patients that, that were critically ill. So mm-hmm. I've had to literally choose between I was going to sit with my dying patient or go code another patient. And that so was help, enough help to a make patient me question. had coded. Yeah. Yeah. Every because you in nursing we don't let people die alone. That's just something right. that's that's basic, one hundred and one. And mm-hmm. now we have to. And how many nurses have been seeing that, or how many doctors have been seeing that? So you're going to lose doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. and really the only solution right now is mindfulness because we can't change right. these huge issues. You know, even if the greatest minds came together and were able to lobby and create all these new laws and find the money, it's not going to happen overnight. But you can train your nurses that whatever happens in your day, you decide how you respond to it. And there's ways to control that stress response. So, And we don't focus just on the bedside, but at home. Uh, Take us through a scenario where, uh, and and I know that one to three right now is not even the worst kind of uh, patient ratio. People don't understand how much happens when you're watching two patients that that are very severely ill. That's an incredible amount. You add a third patient to it, and now you suddenly have to spend less time on each of the other two patients, and it's inevitable that they're all going to run into problems at the same time. So kind of go through a scenario of just a one to three. You come in, you find out you have three very critical patients, and then what? How do you... um, For instance... I was on a unit, and I had three critically ill patients. The nurse next to me had three, and the nurse next to me had three, and the charge nurse had three patients. Mm -hmm. So there would be times when I'd be in the room, and I'd look out for help to turn the patient, and there was no one. And guess, I am 4'11", 130 (laughs) pounds. I am not turning a 500-pound patient. So -hmm. the patient doesn't get turned the entirety of the shift. And which we know is horrible and gets, they get bed sores and blah, blah, blah. But my priority is really keeping them alive or their neighbor alive. So that's, you've got caudies, you've got clapsies, you've got wounds, you've got all these other issues that are costing the hospital money because you don't have an extra nurse or even an extra critical care tech. But mm-hmm. so something that I do is I like to implement a buddy system. So if by two o'clock I haven't taken a break, and I'm talking about I haven't gone and taken a drink of water. I haven't mm-hmm. eaten because when you go back there, you have to take everything off. And we know that the risk of exposure comes from donning and doffing the mask. And since right. we're all reusing the same masks because we don't have enough PPE, you're exposing mm-hmm. yourself. So nurses, when it's, if you're going to take a break, you take it off, leave it off, and do your best to put it back on safely. So if I haven't taken a break by 2 o'clock, I make sure at the beginning of the shift I pick a buddy. 
And I say, if you haven't taken a break by two or I haven't, you come get me. No matter what, we're covering each other's patients. Now, at this point, I might be watching six patients, dialysis, Mm -hmm. ECMO. I mean, very scary things. But at least I can give my friend a five-minute break to pee Mm -hmm. or to drink some water. Um, And then I take opportunities during the day, during my assessment, when I'm in the room for an extended period of time, to do that box breathing, to really be mindful. There's some great... um, Music therapy, actually know a lady um, that's listed as a resource on our website. She does research and evidence-based music therapy yeah. where it's Ann at Taylor. a frequency. Her name is Ann yeah, Taylor. Ann she's Taylor. actually, yes, yeah, she's been on my show and we've also been talking yes. with her because uh, this was uh, started in Finland and uh, very yeah, detailed yeah. research and uh, you know, really awesome. went into and finding out how that music nurses, is actually reacting to your heart. Right, exactly. And that's what we teach. We teach resonance frequency breathing and how to slow your heart rate. And so we have talked together about collaborating and creating a channel just for the nurses to listen to, not only help the patient, right. but the nurse to listen to in there and practice their breathing with. So there's right. a lot of opportunities, and that's what I want. You know, COVID is so awful, and it's costing us money, and it's costing us nurses, not only their lives, but at the bedside. I mean, these seasoned nurses that were great nurses are leaving, mm-hmm. and you can't replace that with a brand-new grad. I'm sorry. You right. could be the best test taker in the world, but <laughs> these seasoned nurses that can run that unit, that's what you need, and you need to hold on to yeah. them, and you need to offer yeah. them something that's tangible, that's going to yeah. work today, that's going to change their mindset them. today. Right. So um, we're actually out of time to take a break. So let's go ahead and do that. Um, We will be back in just a few minutes. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And my very dynamic guest today is um, Melissa Cortez. She is the, uh, she's an ICU COVID nurse has been traveling the country for the past 10 months. And she um, decided to try and help her uh, ICU cohorts by helping them understand how they can um, manage their own uh, stress and their own breathing and heart rate. So um, her organization that she's founded is called the Cortex Method Stress uh, Management, uh, and the company is CortexEnergySystems.org. We will be back in just a few minutes. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Womeninhealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. Womeninhealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Hey nurses, 
What would you say is the hardest part about being a nurse? Well, most of you would say it's putting everyone else's needs before our own, which means not enough time for self-care. And this is why Holly Blue has created a peer support and community app just for nurses, so you can take care of you. Holly Blue is the ultimate nurse app to help you connect with local nurses, organize your nurse life in one place, restore your love for nursing, and empower you to thrive in a field that needs you. Want to see how it works? Student nurses, nurses, and retired nurses can download this free app on the App Store Google Play now. Just type in H-O-L-L-I-B-L-U or go to hollyblue.com to start connecting. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm delighted today to have Melissa Cortez, who is an ICU COVID nurse who has been traveling for the last 10 months. And she uh, learned a lot about what she could control in the in the midst of tremendous stress and the stress of the pandemic. Um, so she founded um, CortexEnergySystems.org and uh, has been teaching uh, nurses, uh, particularly ICU nurses, but all nurses, how to be able to really take charge of your own um, your own bodies, your own um, uh, stress systems, etc. So. Um, we've talked quite a bit about kind of what the, the issues are that nurses are facing, but what do you have to offer them? What If they come to your website, what do they you have to offer there? So first of all, we have the Cortex Method for stress management, which is basically a three-pillar system. It consists of an online course, and in that course, we have, based in neuroscience and quantum physics, we have journal article reviews. Um, everything to back up what we're saying, um, to bridge the gap between the medical understanding and meditation or mindfulness, the stuff that seems kind of woo-woo out there. So we prove that it has a place in healthcare. So you go through these modules, and really I wanted them to be so accessible to nurses. They're 10 minutes. They're high-quality video. Uh, they have a little bit of question for retention. Um, and then, you know, they're engaging, and they're quick, and you can do them anywhere. Then we have um, practical applications is our third module, and that's really how to integrate the mindfulness to the bedside and into a busy day, um, into the workflow, which is something that's unique. You have many corporate mindfulness programs that are eight weeks or a weekend, but they don't have anything specific to nurses. Um, so that's part of that. Then the second pillar is really this community. We want to develop an app, or right now we're hosting on Discord, which is an online gaming community um, app. But we have established relationships with really awesome people that want to give their services and tips to nurses. So they could be fitness people, like we have Jordan Bethany, um, who's a fitness trainer. Um, she's also a nurse. She does has a background in mental health. We have the Primal Hippie, who focuses on the course that we're writing just for male nurses. So specifically for those guys that are in this pandemic, balancing the energy of all the females on the unit, then expecting <laughs> to go home and be, you know, really 
stand-up balancers of energy at home and provide, and they've got a lot of stress riding on them too. So we've developed something for them. We have um, this network that we're creating so that nurses can join, heal, talk to each other without the limitations of HR or a facility or anything that they might say that would be considered negative against their facility, but we're not Mm -hmm. focusing on that. We're focusing on how we can get you from feeling disheartened and discouraged to the other side. You know, what services and things can we offer you and integrate into your life? Um, And then the third pillar of Cortex is really the change aspect. We follow these people. We have life coaches. We have all kinds of resources that they can reach out to to really create lasting change in their environment, in their workplace, in their home life. You know, you control the energy of the unit. And once we understand that, we can come at it with a better day, and each day is a better day, and there's less awfulizing or, oh, my God, it's so terrible, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) that's where it stops. Yeah. So where do we get from hopeless and disheartened to hopeful and ready for change? Um, So they can go on the website and log in and get access to the course. Um, If you're an executive or a facility and you're looking to help your nurses, we will look at your wellness program. We can revamp it. We can apply our method. We can integrate the method housewide. Um, we can even just come in as a consultant. We do um, a walkthrough um, as traveler nurses. Um, we have the ability to really get on your unit and within a couple hours tell you kind of where your systems issues mm-hmm. are and where we can help you mitigate that stress or help those nurses. And we do peer-to-peer online coaching so they can vent they got drop in drop in times that Mm -hmm. we have established that they can just come in and after a shift or before a shift even night shifters can do it Um, and then we have a crisis response team so say COVID is really heavy in your facility or you've got um, a really bad code or trauma or sentinel event our experts can come in provide the mindfulness training at the bedside and just be there for those nurses and I love that facilities use their own people to do this kind of stuff. But guess what? Their wellness nurses right now are running vaccine clinics and swabbing exactly. people for COVID and they just don't have the time or energy. Right. And they probably need some of that help themselves. So um, exactly. I'm just so excited that you're doing this. This is something I've been thinking about and trying to, you know, get moving for the last few months. And so I'm just so happy to know that it is out there. How, uh, how is it being paid for? I mean, uh, how are you able Um, to offer all of this? So right now, um, we had an angel investor, fortunately, um, to help us film the videos and do all that kind of stuff. But I really, I left my bedside job and I trusted that the universe and God was going to make this happen because it's what I believe in. Um, So right now, the course is just $22 per nurse. um, So they can access it themselves, take the course in their off time. We have digital downloads that are available We have meditations that are accessible as part of the course. We have a monthly subscription um, where they can continue to get more updates to the courses, access to that. Or for facilities, um, we, you know, come in and, you know, you tell us what your budget's at and we'll make our services match to what what you guys need. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So um, this is just so dynamic and exciting. And I can just see nurses just really feeling like finally something, because I, I feel like a lot of what happens on units is one, you're talking about that, uh, you know, complaining kind of attitude. If you can change that where people's mindset is, um, we can do this, we can do this together. Uh, and and then getting curious how we can do that. Um, I used to give out um, a, a little poetry or uh, quote that I gave to my nursing students at the end of the course. And uh, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was something to the effect that uh, your thoughts create your words, your words create yeah. your actions, your actions can create your habits, your habits create your life. So if you're looking at your life and you're saying yeah. this just isn't where I want to be, back up to where what you're thinking and what are the negative things you're saying to research, yourself and to other people. And the and the research is out there now proving through quantum physics and quantum mechanics right. that our thoughts are actually, you know, we're, we're atoms and we're made of energy and we can mm-hmm. influence each other's energy. And once you mm-hmm. learn to do that, that you're capable of doing that, it's something so powerful. And nurses right. are healers. They have an ineptability. They're naturally able to do that. They're intuitive. And a lot of times... In, in reciprocation of that, when bad things happen, we're very empathetic and it affects mm-hmm. us a lot more than other people right. in other professions. So if we can learn to not only protect our own energy, but influence positive energy of the unit mm-hmm. and patients, um, you know, and we have a survey that we do um, that we send out and we can monitor, basically start with an assessment you know, typical nursing process, but assessment of how well your nurses are managing stress or how much they know about mindfulness. And then they complete our program. We follow up. um, We do some coaching peer-to-peer. And then in six months, you know, we offer a Cortex Mindfulness Certification. And really, my big dream, my hope is that you know, every facility would be mindfully certified. You know, that mm-hmm. that shows that your nurses are in control of their power and their energy. Your HCAP scores are going to skyrocket. You know, there's so many. You're going to have less sentinel events. You're going to have more energy. They're going to be more able to perform their jobs better. There's just so much research out there that supports mm-hmm. mindfulness and that it has a, an integral part in healthcare. And not to mention nursing schools. Um, I think that COVID has shown us that we have got to almost start over with nursing schools um, because for one, uh, especially if we're needing nurses to be out of the chute and able to function, that's not going to happen the way programs are set up right now. Um, They have to have clinical experience. They have to be rubbing up against, you know, like you said, seasoned nurses. And we need to have those seasoned nurses to have uh, a, a light enough shift or a light enough um, assignment so that they can actually pour time and energy into these people and help them to be able to grow. So there's just a ton of things that nurses know about why things are, aren't working in the healthcare situations that we have, but we haven't been listening to our nurses and we need to start doing that. So that's going to be yeah, a big thing. Yeah, and I think it's hard. It's hard to get in there. It's hard. You know, me and my, you know, my team are experienced critical care nurses who have traveled around the country and seen awesome stuff that we can implement. We know a lot of people that are doing different things in different facilities. And I feel like there's an opportunity to not only depend on the people in your organization that are going up that clinical ladder um, and have the education, but 
there's a time to bring in an expert. You know, there's a mm-hmm. leadership expert, Noelle, um, that I have networked with on LinkedIn, and she's great at, you know, transforming nursing leadership and teaching them mm-hmm. those techniques of how to right. really manipulate the energy on the unit. So right. being receptive to people who are doing it already and are able to just come in and revitalize your organization, you know, and then you look at it from a cost standpoint, you know, who doesn't want to save $3.1 million or $6 yes. million yes. per year? And, you know, you talked about that, or I can't remember if it was here or before, but um, you were talking about that so many times organizations think, well, there's always going to be another nurse coming out of um, nursing school. Well, you've pointed out that that isn't necessarily the case even if you've got people in nursing school um, they may not graduate if they graduate they may not pass the NCLEX which is our our licensing uh, testing and once you've passed that then you still have a minimum of a year of learning the ropes probably more like two to five years of you know with all the intricacies of things that people have to learn And the other thing that I just learned recently is that we're having, you know, difficulties at the schools also. So it's like, even though they may have uh, thousands of people wanting to go to nursing school, there are not enough open positions for to train them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's not enough teachers and because they're burnt out and they want to stay home. And it's like, if you could learn these techniques, like if you could learn mindfulness, you could learn to be aware and control your energy, how much better would you be at taking tests? When you go to the NCLEX and you can do focused breathing and stop your stress response, you're no longer stressed. When you take this test, you're going to recall information. That's what the research supports, is that information recall is exuberantly higher when you practice meditation and mindfulness. You know, monks can actually, there's research that shows that they've grown portions of their brain, like the hippocampus and amygdala. Like, it has gotten bigger because of Mm -hmm. meditation and mindfulness and you don't have to be a monk to do it you just have to practice it I'm actually a Buddhist I belong to a Buddhist group and they've done similar types of experimentation and have found that the same kind of thing is that as you're learning to be more positive and you're learning you become healthier you become uh, you know able to manage so many aspects of your life that you might not have been able to before so um, there's lots of ways to get here but the important thing and one thing I keep hearing from people is they feel like they're all alone and your organization is really going to help that even if I'm on a night shift by myself on a floor I'm not alone because there are you know people that I can access uh, in that time period and the other part of this there's four million of our nurses at least there were four million before COVID started I don't know where we're at now but we can learn to help one another and as we do that, we are going to multiply the benefit of what we're doing to ourselves, to our nurses, to, I mean, to our patients, to our families, in so many different directions. Yep, so, exactly. Um, and I mean, if you look at changing that environment throughout just nursing, then you expand to your paramedic, your pre-hospital staff, you've got, you know, your doctors. You know, doctors want to work at a place where the nurses know what they're doing and are capable yes. and easy to, to interact with, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to have to talk to Nurse Ratchet all the time. And that's what we <laughs> turn into because we don't have the energy to supply our yeah. own personality. You know, I, yeah. I turn into a really gr- grumpy person when I'm tired. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, one of the things I realized, too, is that magnet status was something that was started by nurses and went, you know, quite a ways across the country. But it, I understand that it's kind of drawing back again where there's not as much focus or emphasis on that. And that whole idea was that there were certain um, criteria that hospitals had to meet, particularly with their nurses, um, uh, teaching them how to interact in positive ways, um, all the way from nurses to, um, to you know, the newest hired of any area, whether it's the janitor, the, you know, the um, nutrition uh, aide, whoever it is mm-hmm. coming in has that same idea of customer service and caring, compassion, all of that. And that feeds onto each other, too. So we almost need you, to go back. And the thing is, yeah, the thing is, though, if you don't have the energy to provide customer service, you're right. not going to be able to do it. Exactly. And that is expensive. And that's one of the complaints that that organizations had about Magnet. It was so expensive. Well, think of the cost not having it. It's so much higher, especially now if we're going to be lo- losing, you know, healthcare people, doctors, nurses, either to suicide or leaving the profession or whatever else happens. But one thing I, I want to keep remembering is that with every great uh, evil will follow great good. And so even after oh, the 1918, yeah. after the 1918 pandemic, the great good was that there was a flowering of healthcare research, um, doctors, people really uh, learning how to do this trade or how to do this um, art much better. And and so that kind of happened. But we can build on that even more now going forward. So tell me about your next plan. What is it that you are wanting to do? And you've got a couple minutes here. So, of course, because it just keeps getting bigger because that's how Melissa rolls. But <laughs> it, it um, <laughs> so we want to create this summit and we, it's going to be like a multiple part summit. Um, and it's going to be something about nurses create change. And I love that you talk about that pandemic. And if we look at Florence Nightingale, right, it's the year of the nurse last year. And what happened? Like we nurses were exposed, right? We were seen as these pinnacle of here. We're heroes, but the signs and the pizza parties are nothing compared to what's really going on behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. if we look at Florence, Florence has been saying the same stuff for the last 200 years. You know, in her writing, she talks about, you know, if there was nobody ever disgruntled with what was going on, they would never create change. Right. So we want to take that riding on that hope of the year of the nurse and the hope of being able to create change and do these summits where we come to different regions of the country, you know, East Coast, West Coast, maybe Texas, and invite people to come, not with an abstract, like a typical conference, but cross that idea out, come with an idea. I don't care if you're a CNA. I don't care if you're an environmental services person. I don't care if you are the top chief executive in your hospital system. Come with ideas and ready to work and create real change. And I know that hackathons are pretty popular. Um, so we want it to kind of be able to get together a network of people that are ready, that are like, I have a degree. I'd like to use it towards this. I really like research, so how can I help? Or, you know, I have an idea of what I've seen. Um, Come together in a place that really is going to, A, find the funding to do it. Um, So we need people that are, you know, blessed with that type of abundance that are ready to really come back to the profession and help. Um, the people that have left the profession to pursue higher degrees but are great at that, we need those people, advanced practice nurses, um, physicians. Then we want to take the best ideas and the best 
solutions that we come up with through the through the next year, and then go to D.C. and invite the lawmakers, policymakers, the lobbyists, the people that are integral in change to come to our conference and see what we've come up with. And mm-hmm. they say that there's no solutions in healthcare. It's all expen- blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Here they are. Here they are. Yeah. Serve on a platter to you. You pick out which ones you think are going to be best, and we're going to present them in the a best- way that they. By just about the best innovators in the world. Nurses have been innovating forever. Tell them you can't do it and they'll do it. If it's broken, we'll figure it out, okay? It's not doctor. It's God bless the doctor. I've worked with some excellent physicians in my time, and I'm not trying to say that they aren't. But they rely on us, and they'll tell you that they do. Those new residents, Mm -hmm. your doctors, they are relying on those seasoned nurses. And if we can pull them out of the out of the woodwork, if the people want to step up and really save our profession, it's time. Because if not, we, Melissa, we are... We're, we're actually running out of time here. I want to make sure that you tell them how can they let you know, you know, how can they find out about doing this? How can they let you know what their ideas are? Um, I'm also looking for people to share with me what do you need at your bedside uh, to assist you to be able to be um, all you can be. So give them the information yeah. of how to get a hold of you, so they- and then we're going to be going out here. Sure. They can go to our website, which is um, cortexenergysystems.org, um, and click on any of the links there. Um, they can read up about us. They can follow us on Instagram, also at Cortex Energy Systems. Um, and they can even shoot me an email at info at cortexenergysystems.org. So there's lots Great. of ways. I encourage them to sign up for the course um, and really start to take back their profession. Exactly. That sounds wonderful. I'm so excited about this. So thank you, Melissa Cortez, for being with us. And um, we will probably be having you come back again sometime in the future, as you know a little bit more about what's going on here. What I wanted to say is going forward for the rest of 2021, I want these shows, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, to be filled with encouragement for nurses on how the how-tos on raising resiliency, trusting ourselves, turning to nurse leaders and educators to stand up for nurses to large healthcare organizations and training nurses to change our mindset from one of victimhood to one of innovators, inventors, and the go-to people to transform healthcare. Are you on board? Is this something that you want to do? If so, please visit me also on my website, onceanurse.com. Uh, or contact me at Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, at onceanurse.com. Next week will be Kathleen Bartholomew, who is the author, co-author of Daunt, The Dauntless Nurse. And we're going to be talking more about how can you learn to speak confidently and change healthcare. So thank you so much. This has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.